All right, everybody, Leo Cannell here with today's Seven Figures Club podcast. I know a lot of you are looking to start a business. A lot of you already have. We've got a lot of startups in this audience. And today we've got a treat for you because we've got an entrepreneur, a venture capitalist, a private equity expert who's going to unlock the details of what it actually takes to raise capital and do it at uh, a really big level. And we've got Sam. Sam, how do we say this uh, this Italian last name? Palazzolo? Palas uh, I've right? always pronounced it Sam Palazzolo, but you can oh, call it whatever you that's want. That's much Leo. better, say. <laughs> Sam Palazzolo. Perfect. Yeah. So he's an entrepreneur, venture capitalist, author of five amazing books to help you grow your business, leadership professor, and nonprofit philanthropist. Sam uh, brings a variety of value creation topics to entrepreneurs and business leaders. His ideas and actionable takeaways are captured in his five books, the most recent being Leading at the Tip of the Spear of the Leader. Welcome to the Seven Figures Club podcast. Thank you for being a guest, Sam. Oh, thank you, Liam. There are over 32 million businesses in the U.S., and over 90% of them will never break seven figures in annual sales. So how do we as entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs break into that seven figures club? This podcast will relentlessly share the secrets, strategies, and tactics I've used to create three multi-seven figures businesses and bring in even more successful entrepreneurs than me to share their inspirational stories and tactics to success. You can create your dream business in life right now. So buckle up and let's go. Okay, well, guys, we're excited to connect up today. And one of the things we always like to begin these podcasts with, Sam, is we like to get a little information on the background. What makes successful entrepreneurs? What was the upbringing like? Tell us a little bit about where you're from and maybe <laughs> some of those uh, initial things in childhood or high school that uh, you know led you maybe to a path towards entrepreneurship. Yeah, I... I... I won't say that I was born with a rusted spoon in my mouth, but as my mother likes to say, I was born and, and raised in the shadow of a Ford manufacturing plant's uh, stack, smokestack, so that type of a shadow. Uh, so I was born and raised in Detroit, a uh, great, great family life growing up as a kid, but always had that entrepreneurial spirit. I'm the kid who sold chocolate bars for his little league. I sold the seeds for flowers and vegetables and whatnot uh, to get a tent one summer. So I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things where certainly didn't have means to propel myself forward. So certainly podcasts like yours, where we talk about how it is that entrepreneurs can fund their dream and get themselves going, it's spot on. It's exactly what's needed. But uh, anyway, uh, born and raised in Detroit, like I mentioned, uh, after graduating high school, went to work on an assembly line as a UAW member. It's how wow. I put my way through undergrad, uh, ultimately graduated, went to work for a couple of wholesale manufacturers, still within the automotive industry. Go figure, a guy from Detroit works in the car business. Uh, after several years, and I ran a, a region for one of them, uh, had one of my favorite dealers recruit me, so helped him run his large auto platform. Uh, so kind of get that industry, the automotive industry and industry at large from those manufacturing, wholesale distribution and retail perspectives. Parlayed all that experience, went to work for a couple of consulting firms. I come from big consulting like Deloitte, Aon's change management groups. Uh, then I exited, ran my own firm for a while. And then this is where you and I connected. I had one of those CEOs that I worked with 
in a consulting capacity, say he's got an idea for a tech startup. And I said, great, you know, how can I help? And he said, well, hear me out. And I said, great, I'll, I'll hear you out. I mean, that's my nature to help. Uh, he spoke, I listened. Next thing you know, he was asking me if I would come and join him in the venture. Uh, he talked really well because I grew that consulting firm from myself to 20 folks. Uh, and I exited it to go and jump headfirst into this tech startup. Uh, we raised $8 million straight out of the chute. I would argue it was $6 million too much. Uh, but long story short, the consulting work that I've done over the years has involved sales, biz, dev, consulting, and marketing. Uh, we grew one of those you know, hockey stick revenue graphs of myth, had a couple of private equity firms that were interested in us. One ultimately purchased us at the two-year mark, and I exited shortly thereafter. Uh, since that time, and we're approaching our 10-year anniversary at Tip of the Spear Ventures, uh, we look back on if we wouldn't have had the foundation of that $8 million capital raise, uh, I wouldn't be where it is that we're at today. But anyway, I formed this private equity firm. It's called Tip of the Spear Ventures. Uh, we have two sides of the house. One's a venture side. The other one's a consultancy still staying true to our roots uh, in sales, biz, dev, consulting. We call it business transformation. Uh, but that's what's kind of brought us together here today, Leo. Outstanding. So I'm curious about that first job that you kind of took out of high school that was with a factory to kind of put yourself through. I think a lot of young people today are, are eager and, and maybe quickly jump into student loans. But back in the day, right, there was this idea of, hey, I'm going to actually try to pay for my education by, you know, getting a job. What did you learn about kind of that first job and, and how did that affect the path that you took, you know, towards eventually becoming a business owner? Yeah, I, I wish I could tell you that was my first job at 18, but uh, yeah. I was born and raised in the restaurant business. And so everything that I have learned to this day uh, from a customer experience, from serving customers, comes from that hospitality, working in a restaurant as a kid. And don't tell the IRS, but my father got me in at 14. So, and I probably was working in one earlier than that. But the UAW experience working on an assembly line taught me that, you know, it was really great money. Um, and I could have stayed in that type of a role. And, you know, because my first year of college after I graduated, rather, you know, the, the my UAW income was here, the job opportunities that I was receiving were down here. I mean, so there was a significant gap in income, you know, as a young guy growing up who didn't have a heck of a lot. Uh, it was one of those things where I was like, boy, do I take the, do I bite the bullet? Do I give up doing this work on an assembly line to go and and do something that might be more appropriate towards what my degree consists of and whatnot. So there were some challenges along the way, but you know, I, I did the jump uh, because I recognized that it's going to be a relatively short term. Uh, short term turned out to be longer than I wanted, but it was one of those situations where maybe that was part of the investment too uh, that got me to this point. So good with the way it came out, uh, but no, you're right. You know, I have two daughters that are college age. They're both workers. They've gone out uh, and funded the majority of their college experience. And, and I'd like to think that in some small part, uh, maybe it's genes, but maybe it's just the example that I set that they're kind of doing the same thing. I love it. Yeah, my son uh, just started college this uh, week, his first year. And uh, same thing, he's, he's working for our company, but uh, we're making sure that, hey, you, you've got to make things work. You've got to cover your expenses. You've got to learn to be an adult and, and be independent. So that's awesome that you're, you're teaching them at that young age. So, so as you progress through your career, what was the first jump where you, 
you know, got to a point where maybe you're not going to be the entrepreneur, the number one, maybe you're an entrepreneur, maybe you're partnering up with someone. What was kind of that first decision to, all right, I'm going to take the risk. I'm going to leave the the secure or, you know, however secure it was job to take that uh, jump. What was that opportunity like? Yeah. So it, fortunately it happened within a large organizational structure. You know, I was a General Motors employee. You know, they called it back then Mother Motors. We were fortune number one. Uh, yeah. So, and, and the benefits were amazing. I had the opportunity to be one of the first 200 team members down at the Saturn project. It, mm-hmm. And it looked amazing. I mean, we were going to have the latest and greatest techniques when it came to manufacturing, uh, people development, et cetera. And I said, that's what I want to do. Uh, that wanting to do that conflicted though, because you essentially had to denounce your GM affiliation to go and participate in the project, mm-hmm. which meant yeah, not that the benefits were worse, but they just weren't as good. Uh, but I looked at it like this is a great opportunity. You know, back then it was kind of us versus the world. And that's kind of a Detroit mentality, us versus everybody mentality anyway. So I was in, uh, but that was kind of the, the, I won't say it was the first, cause I mentioned I sold seeds and uh, chocolate bars when I was a little kid. Uh, but it was one of those things where from a professional capacity, that was the first time that I really said, you know what, let's go and do this thing. You know, I was at Saturn when it went from obviously a project to a division. I was also there when we had over 5,000 defects on the, on a vehicle that came off the assembly line. I was also there months later when we came off with zero defects from a vehicle manufactured. Wait, how many months was that? About four. So four. It, it go was from 5,000 defects to none. Yeah. What was that process like? How did you guys pivot so quickly to fix those issues? You know, I, I think at the heart of it, we were working with some of the best consulting firms in the country, and we had some of the best minds uh, in the automotive industry working there. And so it was one of those things where, you know, the hours were long, uh, but they were, it was, again, it was kind of us versus everybody. We were in it to prove that we could do this type of a vehicle and build it with perfection. And so that was kind of the mission. That's what we laid out. That's what we drove towards every day. And that's what we ultimately accomplished. Amazing. Well, the first car I did buy was a Saturn back in the day, Sam. So there, there we go. Yeah. So you're building- unfortunately, it's not around anymore, primarily right. because, you know, if, you know, obviously there was some consolidation within GM with their divisions sure. and whatnot. But for what that vehicle was, if you were in the market, you'd be a fool not to look at that type of a vehicle. It, it's, it filled so many you know, check marks on an owner's list of what it is that they would want in a vehicle. Yeah, absolutely. And then, I'm biased, and, by the way. But. And, and then the, <laughs> hey, I, I liked my Saturn. And then the next step was the, in your career, you went to consulting. Is that right? Yeah. So I, at General Motors, I was the financial forecaster for the division and uh, at Saturn. And it was really great, but it really had me from an accounting perspective. I don't have a, I don't have a personality that's very accounting oriented. You know, I don't fit in within a CPA firm. I don't fit in from a personality within an accounting department or within the structure. And so I said, you know, I want to go. I grabbed my MBA along the way at Vanderbilt. And I said, you know, I want to go and work big consulting. Uh, I got tired of being chained to a desk. Um, I'm the product of a single household also from birth to college. And I said, you know what, there's a big country out there, big world. 
I want to see if I can't go and do this consulting thing. You know, I recognized that it was going to be a lot of travel. I recognized that it was going to be a good test for me, though, because, excuse me, rather than having one experience in a career path, I could essentially have a dog year, seven years worth of experience crammed into one. And, and let's work with a multitude of different organizations, different leaders, and, and let's go and let's go do this thing. And, and I had a great time. Uh, three years worth of consulting. I had five moves that were essentially across the globe. Uh, but it was, it was some of the best times of my life and my career. And what were some of the challenges and problems that you would help these, uh, these businesses and corporations tackle? And, and then what were some of the strategies to help them, you know, make the pivots to succeed and get over those challenges? Yeah, it's, it really helped architect at Tip of the Spear Ventures, our business transformation consulting and the service that we offer today. You know, we start off with a high layer of a strategic orientation. What's our strategy, right, Leo? The next step is, you know, how do we make that strategy tactical? In other words, the month in, month out, day in, day out, what is it that we're going to do that keeps alignment with that overarching strategy with goals? And then the third layer is, okay, let's make it actionable. Because you and I both know we can have the best strategy, we can have the best plan to make it tactical so that way uh, we have it all in place, even with contingency planning for what could go wrong. But if we don't ever execute, if we don't ever implement, what do we do in the first two steps for? And that was a lot of the consulting work that I did back then. The types of engagements that we conducted were everything from how is it that we can sell more, right? I mentioned that we're a, we're a heavy sales biz dev focused organization today, to this day. Um, we swim upstream to marketing and strategic planning. We also swim downstream to the operations for product or service fulfillment, all the way through the customer experience. How is it that we not only can delight customers and wow them, but how is it that we can retain them so they come back, repeat, repurchase? And best case, how is it that they can go and advocate for us to their friends and family? Absolutely. So there was the consulting. And then you, you eventually, now you guys uh, raise $8 million for a tech company and then a very quick exit, two years. I mean, there, there are companies that it takes you know, decades to get to that point and you guys accomplished that in two years. So talk to us first, because obviously you're, you're an expert. That's what you guys do at Tip the Spear Ventures. You help entrepreneurs raise capital what were the keys for you guys to raise $8 million kind of right out of the gate like that? Yeah, so, so at Tip of the Spear Ventures, we do three things on the venture side of the house, Leo. The first leg of the stool is we work and provide venture funding for entrepreneurs that in their own initiative are post-revenue of a million dollars plus. That's the first leg. Second leg of the stool is that we'll provide business funding services most of the entrepreneurs we work with think of business funding as only a capital raise. Uh, there's from the work that I did, and I've taught at the collegiate level since 2008. I'm an adjunct faculty member at UNLV. I teach an exec ed course based on the book I wrote in 2018 that you mentioned in the intro. Uh, but most of the entrepreneurs we work at with think of business funding as only a capital raise. And the work that I did with the University of London, we identified five different customer funding models and that's the service that we offer to entrepreneurs as they pursue funding. It's a great way to look at their business from a funding source. They don't have to give up equity. 
They let customers fund their operation, which is always best case scenario. The third leg of the stool that we do is we're good M&A firm. Uh, we'll, if we like an organization and we find an entrepreneur that wants to merge with us, uh, get bigger, better, move faster, uh, we look for those types of opportunities as well. So that's a little bit about what it is that we do on our venture side of the firm at Tip of the Sphere Ventures, Leo. Outstanding. So, so with uh, venture capital, would we call it a Series A, a Series B? What, what, at what uh, point should an entrepreneur and, and those who are listening who have startups who are maybe looking to raise capital, when do they know that they're ready or they're, they're right or they should be contacting Tip of the Sphere Ventures to kind of take that next step? Yeah, I don't know that there's one cookie cutter approach. There, there never more, is, but yeah. what are the what are the overall frameworks that they should look at? I think that there's there's basically a, you know, there's got to be a customized type of a where do we go next and what do we need in order to get there? You know, I meet with a lot of entrepreneurs the session, the Zoom session we had just prior to and we're at a conference this week uh, working with entrepreneurs, but the Zoom session I had just prior to this one was with an entrepreneur. He wants to grow. He wants to scale his business. He has a target as to what it is that he wants to raise, like $2 million, but he has no plan for what it is he wants to do with the $2 million. I think it's one of those things where it's a bit cart before horse, if that's a nice way of putting it, where you say you want the money, but you have no idea what it is you're going to do with the money. And so when you've got those types of confusion or maybe lack of clarity moments, that's the time to outreach and to find out, you know, hey, look, here's what we're thinking about doing. We think we can get, if we're here at point A, we think we can get over here to point B. That's the time to outreach because if you don't know what's going to bridge that gap between A and B, it's a perfect opportunity to explore, okay, what do we need to do and how should we go about doing it best? So I have entrepreneurs that'll reach out to me for those types of questions all the time. So specific, like if you're looking to raise capital, take that next step, my goodness, you better have a plan for where the use of proceeds, where that money is going to go and proof of concept, which I'm sure is why you guys, you know, are looking for businesses that are up to a million dollars in revenue. It's not theoretical. It's not just, it could be a great product. It could be a great application. It could be a great platform. Like there's actual proof of concept. And now we know, you know, how to get to be, we're going to need capital. We're going to need more employees. We're going to need more sales. We're going to invest in infrastructure and to have that uh, clear use of why the money is needed and number two, what it's going to do. And as part of that, I'm sure the valuation, like we're not just doing it because it's a good idea and, and we're just spending some money, like it should be increasing the valuation of the company. Correct. There, there are certain revenue plateaus. This is what we've discovered. There are certain revenue plateaus at which the organization needs to take some shifts, right? They need to have, I won't call it a paradigm shift, but they need to have a shift in leadership mentality because how it is that you run an organization between $0 revenue and 1 million is one way. From 1 million to 10 million, it's another way. From 10 to 25, so on and so forth, these different plateaus that you establish from a revenue gen, those are the different methodology decision points where you're going to have to think different. You're going to have to act different in running your organization. So you're exactly right. Hmm. Oh, that, that's a really good point. When you're going from one to 10, it's a certain ideology it's a certain outlook framework and then 10 to 25 and then trying to get up to 50, 100 million, completely different the way you run your organization, leadership, management. 
So what are some of the values and principles that you try to instill or, or talk about with these entrepreneurs that are young in, in terms of their business? And, and how important are those in trying to grow? And how important are they in all the organizations you've run? Yeah, I think that, you know, I mentioned I worked for a couple of wholesale distributors, one of which was Toyota Lexus. Toyota Lexus didn't invent the wheel, but from a re-engineering perspective, they sure figured out how to make the wheel spin faster. I think that there's certain methodologies that are out there that are in play, that if you can simply grab hold of what the concept is, figure out how it works for yourself, that's the best case scenario. We put together a business transformation self-assessment workbook. Mm. It's, a, it's 128 questions, 37 pages in length. It's meant to be a DIY, a do-it-yourselfer type of self-assessment. It's loaded with questions that focus on four key areas that'll help drive your business forward. Those four areas, strategy, execution, cash generation or cash flow, and then the all-important people function. That's uh, I know we'll put it in our show notes. It's available at tipofthespearventures.com too. Unbelievable. So, so, if they, so if the audience listening goes to tipofthespearventures.com, they can access that 120-page, you know, basically you know, manual to create a success. It's only 37 pages now, oh, 120 pages. pages. Okay. <laughs> I, I got carried away. That's yeah. even better. It's even more, uh, you know, you can get through it quicker and, and uh, not I say only 37 there. questions or 37 pages, 128 yeah. questions. That's what it was, was 120 questions. Okay. Yeah, we could have, we could have gone on, but we wanted to provide those four pillars of how it is that you can transform your business for the better. Uh, and it's really regardless of wherever it is that your business is at on an annual revenue. We've had entrepreneurs receive this workbook, go through it, outreach to us, tell us the successes that they've achieved as a result of going through it and DIYing it. We've had large organizations. We have one that we work with. They're about $150 million a year annual revenue generating. They heard mm. me on one of these podcasts They or they read one of the blog posts that I put out. I've probably got about 250 blog posts that are out there or articles that I've written. Uh, anyway, they got their hands on this self-assessment workbook and they reach out to say, hey, this is really great stuff. <laughs> it's like, that's awesome. We also have people who get the workbook who I mentioned the two examples are total DIY. I, I've had a couple of folks who've reached out and they've said, we want to partner with you. And it's a great on-ramp into how it is that we can partner together, either in a consulting capacity or from an M&A perspective to work with entrepreneurs that are out there. So going back to kind of your three pillars, pillar number one is venture capital to help the startup entrepreneur grow who's listening to this podcast. Step number two, actually, there's some, some debt vehicles, it sounds right. Is that right? Yeah. So from a business funding perspective, you know, and this is where the service that you and your firm offer are extremely valuable. You know, pre-show, you and I were talking about a lot of times entrepreneurs don't know where to go, right? They, they, they know that they need some funding, but they don't know where to begin. And for those of you that are out there in entrepreneurial land, this is yet another roadblock that you're facing. And the goal of the game from an entrepreneurship perspective, as I had it explained to me as a young man, was get on the other side of the roadblock as quickly as possible. So funding your operation, whether it's a debt instrument, like what it is that your organization helps entrepreneurs or provides them with from that service, or the services that we help them with, um, it's about getting on the other side of the roadblock. So 
Amen. And then now at what point should uh, someone start to consider or look uh, at what a merger and an acquisition look like? And what are you guys kind of looking for that are ideal candidates, businesses to kind of take that next step? And I, we were talking a little bit about this before the podcast. So I'm excited for you to share this because there's a lot of people in different uh, stages of their business where some of them really need to look at this. Yeah. We generally only consider a couple of different industries out there. Part of it is to keep some sanity on our perspective. Uh, the other part of it is to gather some economies of scale. So that way we put together almost in a conglomerate type fashion, some business pieces of the puzzle that make sense, or at least form some type of a picture of what it is that we want to have as a future end state. So the industries that we look at are traditionally manufacturing, construction, and I come from that tech space. So we're a good tech firm. Uh, look at merging, acquiring, that type of thing as well. Okay. So manufacturing, construction, and how do we classify tech? There's, it's such a wide, uh, how do you classify the tech industry that you guys are looking to work with? Yeah, we're pretty agnostic. Hardware, software. Yeah, we're just okay. looking for great entrepreneurs that we want to work with, uh, with great products or services that they offer and that they've had some traction or success with. So we're agnostic when it comes to the whole hardware, software. Uh, we're just looking for great entrepreneurs that run great companies that sense that they can scale it bigger and better. So that's our main mission there. Perfect, guys. Guys, we're talking with Sam, uh, founder of Tip of the Spear Ventures, experienced entrepreneur, has raised capital, had exits, and now helps other entrepreneurs do the same, whether you need venture capital, whether you need some creative business funding, or if you're ready to look at that merger acquisition and you're in one of those three key industries he talked about of manufacturing, construction, and technology. So for those looking to take the next step, Sam, they need to go to tipofthespearventures.com. And once they get there, should they do the get the free 2021 report? Should they look to set up a call? What should be the next step when they get to the website? You know, they can do it. They can do any and all. I know this much that you know, I had somebody the other day who said, uh, wow, you've got that really cool bot down in the lower right hand corner. And I said, yeah, I know. When you type something in there, you reach me. Because <laughs> the other day I had somebody who was in there who uh, wanted some help. And I said, great, give me your phone number. I'll call you right now. And they were expecting, I think, someone from somewhere uh, other than me and here domestic U.S. to outreach and connect with them. I called them up within five minutes of them entering in on the, on the bot because each one of the ways that a customer, if they interact with the bot, they get me directly. So one of those types of things where it sounds like a little thing. Um, and but it is one of those things where you know I want to connect with entrepreneurs who want to drive their businesses forward, whether the entrepreneurial effort is at a small organization or as I mentioned, it's within that SMB or Fortune 100 classification. So, guys, I think that's a powerful lesson Sam just shared with us. No matter how big you are as an entrepreneur, a business owner, and yes, you want to work, you know, on the business, not always in it, but if you get disconnected from working in the trenches with your you know, ideal customer and client, you will lose every time. And the more I see successful entrepreneurs still will, will respond, you know, to that inquiry or take an opportunity to work in the trenches and connect one-on-one -on -one with a client. And so I think that's a huge lesson uh, that Sam just shared with us. 
Yeah, I answer every every chat bot, uh, every type of contact us. If you uh, want the 128 question, 37 page business transformation self-assessment workbook, which is a mouthful and it's a, it's a great print off as well. But I interact with every person who downloads one of our pieces of content or even wants to participate and receive our monthly newsletter at Tip of the Sphere Ventures, primarily because I'm always looking for what is it that our audience wants? What is it that resonates with you? And I get requests sometimes to write some posts or some articles, conduct some research on topics. That's the type of stuff that we love to do. You know, we right now are doing a 20-minute executive briefing with leaders out there who want to grow their businesses, especially based on coming out of this pandemic. And so we outreach to our, our base, our base of clients and leaders, ask them the question, what are you most focused on now as we come out of the pandemic? As I mentioned, we're doing 20-minute executive briefings. If you'd like to participate in one, we'll do it just like this in a Zoom-type session. It'll be virtual. Close your office door. It'll be 20 minutes in length, 15 minutes worth of presenting, and it's just not me talking. There's some back and forth, some engagement, so don't worry about just sitting there and listening to me speak for 15 minutes. That's not a good utilization of your time. I want to find out what it is that you're doing as a leader too. And do the six items that we've identified from our leaders that they're focused on to drive their business forward, are those the same six that you're you're focused on as well? Amen. Guys, guys, I just downloaded Leading at the Tip of the Spirit. It was uh, not difficult. And I'm excited to go through those 128 questions and assess where my business is at. Guys, again, go to tipofthespiritventures.com to get access to the 128 questions that you want to ask to see where your business is at and get a self-assessment. And then of course, you'll want to connect with Sam and his team and take that next step, whether it's venture capital, creative business funding, whether it's merging and, and acquisition, especially I know, Sam, the earlier we talked a little bit about if you're kind of in, a, in the baby boomer section, maybe you're trying to figure out how do I exit? How do I you know, get maximum value for my company and figure out the best way to do that? That's where if you're in that manufacturing, construction or tech space, merger and acquisition you know, with Tip the Spear Ventures may be a good fit. Right. Yeah, we're, we're always looking also to connect. I know that part of your audience is coaches and consultants. We're always looking for top quality for some of the engagements that we do on our business transformation consulting side of the house. So, you know, if you're a coach or a consultant that's out there and you consider yourself to be an A-plus talent, I want to meet you. I'm convinced that I have a great network, but I know this much. I don't know everybody. So if you're out there and we haven't met, let's connect. Amen. Well, guys, thanks so much uh, to Sam for being on this podcast and dropping amazing value bombs about venture capital, private equity, mergers and acquisitions, and more importantly, the heart of entrepreneurship and what it takes to succeed and create a business you know, that can do seven figures in annual revenue, get to eight, get to nine. There's, there's a process to doing that and being around people like Sam are going to get you there. Sam, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you, Leo. Are you looking for more seven-figure secrets, content, or even how you can launch your own recession-proof business? Then check out sevenfigures.com. That's the digit seven, F-I-G-U-R-E-S.com, where we share more videos, stories, strategies, funding solutions, entrepreneurial education, and even the secret business type that's recession-proof. 
Thank you for listening. And if you're finding value in our podcast, please give us a five star and invite others to join the club.